for those that take notes or uh, well, actually research this during the week, uh, here's a scripture reference. And I'm reading from Colossians, it's chapter 2, go from verse 9 for context. Uh, for Christ, and reading from the NIV, for in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And you have been given fullness in Christ, who is head over every power and every authority. In him you were also circumcised. When I first read this as a young man, I was really worried about this part. Right? But in him you were also circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature, not with the circumcision done by the hand of men, but with the circumcision done with Christ having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us and he took it away and he nailed it to the cross. What a word. Uh, Caleb, if I may, uh, Paul is writing to these Christians and what he's trying to say to them is don't allow circumstances, life, friends, Whatever the influence is, don't allow that back into your life. Don't reattach what God has set you free from. It's an important lesson. You're going away. It's marvelous. You've got a beautiful heart. Right? But there'll be a lot of stuff coming your way that will try to reattach to your life, right? Or attach to your life, not to be disrespectful to you. Attach to your life that you need a passage like this to remember that Christ has set you free, live in that freedom, rejoice in that freedom, and do your best for Canberra in that freedom. Right? Amen? Um, I want to share this morning on, I guess, three things. Let me get this. Right. Uh, on life, on labels. I am online, right? I'm online, Royal Telephone. <laughs> yeah. On life, labels, and price tags. And in 1994, there was a movie, Tom Hanks, right? Forrest Gump. And Forrest Gump opens with him saying, sitting on a bus stop, talking to a lady, and he says, Yes. Yes. Uh, he actually said, my mama said life was like a box of chocolates. Doesn't say is. And his mama didn't say was. She just said life is a box of chocolates. But there he is. And the idea of that statement was, has been grabbed. We, we all know it. Right? And the point being is that it's meant to say, really, life is, who knows? Who, who knows what's, what's next? Who knows what's coming up, right? But I don't know about you, right? but I know lots of people, and life is certainly not like a box of chocolates. 
In fact, life is quite complex. It's confusing. Uh, and, and I guess maybe to tie it in, the, the word that was shared this morning, uh, I, I burst into tears. Sorry. A young boy last Sunday whose name was Hunter. He comes from a broken family. He was with his dad, just spending some time before school starts. They, they are out hunting rabbits, goats, and pigs. And they're on a quad bike, a very large quad bike with the frame over the top. And as dad maneuvers down the bank, the quad, quad bike overbalances, throws them out of it, and Hunter is trapped under it. Dad broke his arm coming out of it and felt all up the money, sorry, couldn't lift the burden off his son. So he tried and he tried and he couldn't, and the burden is crushing the life out of his eight-year-old boy. He runs to get help. By the time help arrives, Hunter is dead. He was buried yesterday afternoon, sorry, Friday afternoon. Life is not a box of chocolates. It's complex, it's confusing, it, it can change in, instantaneously. And it can leave people marked, bruised, scarred, and in some cases lost for life. But the only person who's going to help that dad is the Lord Jesus Christ. If this man does not get the revelation of Christ as Lord and Saviour, if he doesn't get that portion of peace that passes all that understanding, he is done for. Seems unfair, but that's the truth. I think life is like a jigsaw. There's all these bits that fit together. And sometimes we get a glimpse of the lid of the box, but in most of our lives in our faith journey, We've got the pieces, but we don't sort of, you know, we remember what the, the lid of the box is meant to look like. Right? But so many circumstances, challenges, it's to, is that really the picture? So here's what I present to you. Your life is a thousand piece jigsaw and you don't have the lid of the box. So you go, oh, okay, I reckon. I reckon I could do that, It'd take me a little bit of time, but I could work it out, start on the, the corners, then the edges, then the colors, and start to fill it in. Well, okay, so suppose I add another 100. Very similar jigsaws, all the pieces could fit, and you set you off to do it. Well, you may say, well, it would take me a little bit longer, but I reckon eventually I would get there. No, I say to you, but there's a time frame. It has to be done in your lifetime. And how do you know what bit fits where and what belongs in your jigsaw? Now, suppose I said to you, I know a person who knows every one of those 100,000 pieces. He knows every one of them. And he knows your thousand pieces 
what's meant to be there and what's not meant to be there. And suppose he came alongside you and said, I will guide you, I will give you advice, I'll give you instruction, and I'll guide you so that every piece you pick up to place in your jigsaw is the correct piece and it belongs there. Would you say yes? Now, if you're a person who said, no, 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 I'll do it myself. I can go alone on this. Then maybe what I'm saying to, do, to you today might be a bit challenging for you. But the reality is we cannot do it alone. It, it is so complex. It is so divided. We, we make plans. And Scripture tells, all through Scripture tells us about those people who make plans and suddenly something changes and they're done and dusted. How important it is in our life as Christians, and if you're not a Christian today, hear me loud and clear. We would be undone as Christians without the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit working in our life. We could have a club called church, but we cannot have a vibrant life. We cannot make a difference right, regardless of who we are but the difference because of who God is working through us as he builds and shapes our life. Some of you would be old enough to remember David Livingston. He's a missionary. Some of you may have learned him in school. I don't think there's no one here who knew him personally. But David Livingston started, we introduced to him, as a 10-year-old boy. Any 10-year-olds here? Any? No, they're all out there. He started as a 10-year-old boy working 14 hours a day in the cotton mills of London. That's how he started off. Right. Around 25, he went to school after work, 14 hours in work, right. uh, and went to school in his own time afterwards. Right. Around 25, right, he really was caught with the idea of missionary to China. They were desperate for medical people to go to medical missionaries to go to China. So he began to train medical missionary and to put him into the background of what was happening in society there. William Wilberforce had just at the turn of the 18th century right, abolished, got, got slavery abolished in England. Still going on in America and da da da, but it got abolished in, in England. And so Livingston wanted to go to China as a missionary. China's doors closed. And so he was approached about going to Africa. And so he went to Africa. And he went there and he did what the missionary society was meant to do. He set up little stations, had little churches, and he told the people of the nation what they could no longer do if they wanted to be Christians. And a lot of it didn't fit into their culture. But nonetheless, that's what happened. Uh, and here, and we've got one convert. He's a famous missionary. He left his heart. When he died, and he died from dysentery, and he died on his knees praying as an 80-year-old man, thanking God for all that God did in his life. David Livingston, uh, he discovered Victoria Falls. David Livingston, when he died, had his heart removed and buried in Africa 
and his body taken to Westminster Abbey and buried there. No, as a man, he was quite rough, rude, and, and bore grudges for years. We would not class him as a good, upright Christian. He wouldn't fit the model. Seriously. But the, th the thing is, what he did, he did for God. And everything he did, he did for God. And God, God worked on that man's life, not, not what people would see, but what God intended. And the history of David Livingston is he went to the very root of slavery in Africa. The Dutch were still grabbing them, still selling them to Cuba and into America. He went to the very root of where slavery was and tried to abolish it by bringing dignity to humankind through the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not a bad record. I wouldn't own something like that. If your life choice is yours to make, surely it is critical that we make good choices. We know people, uh, all of us have friends, if we confess our own truth, we make choices at times that are not good choices. One day, I, I, if, if I get enough grace, I share my testimony and I'll tell you in my life, I made choices uh, that were completely off the planet. And I can tell you those choices, and that was post being a Christian, I was a Christian young man involved in church, da, 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 and I was backslidden and I made choices in my backslidden life that I believe negated me from ever, ever being able to stand here and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because I thought one day someone's going to walk through that door and go, you, I know you, I know what you did. How can you stand there and say all that when I know what you did? And that boned me for years. That burden boned me and I could not shake it because I deserved it. There's the lie. I deserved it. And then one day God broke into my life and he gave me a revelation of being squeaky clean in his sight. Because it's not about me, it's about him. And so now I could answer that man walking in here and instead of cowering under the burden that I know existed, I can turn around and say, I can stand here because of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ and the fact that he sets people free. Father, as we gather here this morning, I pray that every one of us would have a revelation of the Holy Spirit being at work in our life. Jesus said, I will send another who paracletos, comforter. May your word comfort, challenge, and set people free this morning in Jesus' name. How many people have ever been labelled? How many people have been labelled, you know, like a, a negative label? Yes? Yeah, yeah. Do you know, 
Let me start off with, with, with labels. The difference between a name, sticks and stones will break my bones, but name will never hurt me. Well, I know some names that can hurt some people. Right? I know some people that have been really hurt by names. But the difference between a name and a label is because a name is individual and it identifies. A label groups. Easiest way to say that is if you go to the supermarket and you're going to buy some tomato sauce, you go there and there are 25 different labels of tomato sauce. But you look for the name. And everyone knows that Heinz is the only tomato sauce. That's the difference between a name and a label. But you get negatively labeled. Again, I, I, I grew up. Red-haired people are angry people. Yep. Red-haired people are angry people. So every time I see a red-haired person, I'm looking for indications to show them as angry. And because that's what I'm looking for, that's what I find. And when I find it, I go, that's right. And it's self-fulfilling destruction and judgment. Now, we get labeled, you're a Christian. You're a Christian. How could you be booked for speeding? You're a Christian. Yeah. You're a Christian. Right? It's, a, it's a label. And there's an expectation upon you, right, put on by others, usually non-Christians, sometimes Christians, but usually non-Christians, who put a pressure on you and they burden you to carry what God said don't carry. It doesn't belong in your life. If you've been set free, then live in freedom. And the more you grab your suitcase and your hat backpack and put your rubbish back in it, rubbish back in it, rubbish back in it, keep on going, the, the more difficult it is to live what you've been called to live. Let me give you an example of a label. Good, bad, or extreme. Labels are easy for us to do. It's easy for us to label people because we, we think that way. So we, we label people into groups, into, you know, bunches, boxes. And once they're in there, it's so hard to get them out. When I was, de when I was dealing with street people, still, when I'm dealing with somebody who doesn't know I'm an ambassador for the Lord Jesus Christ, more so I'm a minister of the gospel, when they don't know that, we just have ordinary conversations. I'm just Andrew. And we just talk about anything. And then they find out that I'm a pastor, a minister. And suddenly, the conversation goes, every five minutes, the person's apologizing for swearing. You know, oh, I'm sorry, Andrew. No, previously, they just talked. I wasn't offended. They weren't swearing at me. And I'm not offended by it. I don't think God's offended by it. Because he loves them. But they go into this, and you know, they go into this talk to a pastor mode. And it absolutely drives me nuts. I can no longer, I can no longer be real with that person because they're now filtering me out of their life because I'm now in a box. Right? They've, they've caged me. Or you go to the other extreme where they find out you're a minister and they swear all the more. And they're worse. They're rude, they're crude, they're disgusting only to see how far they can go to offend. 
but it's still a box and I'm still pushed into it because we, we, we get into this rapid thinking. It's easy for us to cage somebody. It's easy for us to put them in and label them right? um, because it works for us. But it's wrong thinking. That's not godly thinking. It's, it's just human thought process getting involved in the church. Labels are an irrational form of thinking. Most of us seem to do it easily. Some of us are really good at it. Here's an example of some ir irrational thinking. If there's someone here called Martha, I apologize. Right. Last week, Sister Martha was sitting in church and was really moved by the pastor's message. She decided to set a goal of having a little devotion and time of prayer every day this week. Monday, Tuesday worked great. On Wednesday morning, just as Martha was about to start her devotion, Sister Carol called up and asked about the apple pie recipe for the next uh, fellowship they were going to have. They got talking and Martha completely forgot about the devotion. On Thursday morning, Martha realised she'd failed in her goal. Now, here is where the importance of a dynamic choice in the freedom of Christ comes in. Martha can say, oh, I missed one, but I'll get this one, and I might just spend a little bit longer in this one if I want to make up for the Wednesday. But rapid thinking and mould shaping has Martha saying this. She failed. I'm a failure. She realises at that critical choice time that she goes to the negative and adds something back into her life that God never intended for her to have and had already set her free from. But she's conforming to the image. So the first label she thinks is, I'm a failure. Friday morning, she's still wearing the failure label. Good. She goes hunting, goes down the stairwell, down to the basement of Blamesville, digs out the pathetic Christian sign. And so she sticks pathetic Christian sign on her chest, failed again, pathetic Christian, and on Sunday morning, sneaks into church to sit in the back row fully expecting God to reject her because she's a failure. Where did all that come from? Where did all that come from? And if you say to me that can never happen, I'm telling you that happens in churches every Sunday. You heard a message this morning about God setting you free. Man alive, what does he have to do to give you the hint that he wants you to have life and life abundantly? He wants you to be free from burdens. Burdens crush. Burdens limitate. Burdens drag you and hold you back so that you are not fulfilling the life that God called you to live. Well, we were yet dead in our sins. Christ set us free. There's a price tag. There's life. It's complex. There are labels, 
don't let them stick. And there is a price tag. If I could have musicians up for this one, please. I'm going to wind this up with maybe a little cheeky example of how Jesus dealt with labels. John the Baptist is at the Jordan River. Now, John was a foreheralder of Jesus. He is at the Jordan and he is preaching, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And all those that were waiting and knew that their life wasn't quite perfect were lining up to be baptised by John. No. There were some entrepreneurial ministry management types who had a look at this and they said, goodness me, this is going to take all day. This will take a lifetime to get through all of these people. So what they did is they set up some tables, they got some labels, and they started interviewing people. So they said to, I'll pick a name, but they said to John, John, what's, what are you here? What's your worst sin that you've come to repent on? And he says, I stole some money from work. Thief was the label that went across his chest and John was the name that went above it. And he goes back to the queue. They interview Jane. Jane, what did you, what's your worst sin that you're here to repent of? Oh, I gossiped. I told some stories about some people, but they weren't nice people and I didn't like them. Slanderer was the label that went across her chest and her name sat above it. They went to another guy and, you know, what's your worst sin? Oh, you know, my neighbour's got everything. His car, his house, his boat. He's got everything. And I just want it so bad. I just want all his stuff. Covered. And his name is stuck above it. Another girl comes forward, young woman. What's your worst sin? I had an affair. Adulterer. In her name. Stuck above it. Finally, they got through the whole line. There they are. They're all lined up. They're all waiting for John. Sorry. Stay. They're all waiting for John. And they're all waiting to be baptised. Baptism of repentance. And suddenly down in the distance, these, these uh, organisational ministries see Jesus coming along the line. And they look down and say, what, the, what, what on earth is he doing? And what he's doing is he's going to every person on that line and he's having a conversation with them. And he's saying to them, that, that, that label, is, is that true? Yeah. Would you mind if I took it off you? Really? Yeah. You need to give it to me. But I'm willing to take it. And so as he works down that line, he starts taking all those labels. Adulterer, thief, covetous. He just starts putting them all on himself. And he finally gets to John. And he has every label on that line stuck upon his own presence. He steps into that water. And as John baptises him, 
every label, every name disappears. Disappears. And everyone is free. This morning I'm telling you, you may have a label. You may have lived in that label. You, you may be bound by that label. But right here, right now, this morning, Jesus Christ is coming to you personally. And he's asking you one, one thing and one thing only. Will you hand it to me? Will you allow me to take that for you, that you may be free? I would just like every eye closed for a moment, please. Just respect that this is a work of the Holy Ghost. If that is you this morning, your life is complex, confused, and you don't know Arthur from Martha, you are labelled and try as you might. You just cannot break free from that burden and it crushes you every day. You heard it from the Holy Ghost this morning. If that is you and you're willing to hand it to God, I simply ask you to just raise your hand. You're not raising it to me. Uh, we're not falling it over. You're raising it to the Lord Jesus Christ saying, here it is. Take it. I'm free. Thank you. I see the hands. Amen. Praise God. This is now a work between you and the Lord Jesus Christ. If you need to talk it through with one of the pastors, we are here and we're here to assist you. But otherwise, don't be trapped by reattaching what God has just released you from. Don't get caught in it. I'd like us just to finish this morning if we all stand and sing and that eagle's wings, if we may, please. I would lead it, but you'd all be running at the door, right? So I'm handing it over to the musicians. Father, as we sing, as we dismiss our morning, I do pray that the power of the Holy Spirit be upon each and every one of us. For those, Lord, that responded this morning and raised their hand, Father, I pray you break the yoke of bondage. I pray you break the boundaries that have held them captive and that, Father, you speak into their life abundance and liberty and freedom that they might be the, the man and woman you have called them to be in your name. Amen. Let's sing.